The SGPN Fantasy Baseball Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I am Blake Meyer, and always I am joined by my co-host Ryan Gilbert. Ryan, how you doing, bud? Doing pretty good here. I got a few days before winter meetings. It's uh, been a bit too long since we last recorded. We're trying to do more here in the offseason, but I feel like as uh, winter meetings happen and, and more of the top free agent sign, there's going to be more to talk about here. Yeah, especially, I mean, they start Sunday. And then after that, it's just, I mean, it's baseball for a while. And I've been, I mean, as usual, I've been sick. Last week, my entire household was sick, just the whole nine yards, throwing up fevers, all that. So even if we wanted to record, I don't think, I don't think you were going to get any version of me to record on a microphone that would have sounded very good. So healthy, finally, I can record with my normal voice and not my sick voice. And we can actually talk some baseball. Yeah, I, I had a bit of a rough go last week uh, out, of, out of cold I was going over. So uh, it, it, it it worked out well that we were both sick at the same time. Now we're both uh, feeling better and we can, yeah, we had, we had a few guys sign. We got a few rumors here to talk about. So I, I'm excited. I am too. And just getting right into it, I really want to talk about Jose Abreu because he's he's been arguably the biggest signing. I mean, it's not really arguably. He's been the biggest signing of the offseason so far, free agent-wise. And he... Went to the now reigning World Series champions in a loaded lineup. What kind of output do you think we can we can see from Abreu going into next season? I mean, just people forget how how good this guy is just because he had a quote unquote down year last year. He only had 15 home runs, but he hit 304, the the best of his career since his rookie year when he bet, hit 317. He's a, a year removed from a 30-year, 30, 30 home run, 117 RBI season. He won the MVP in 2020, that shortened season. Um, from 2019 to 2021, he averaged 36 home runs per 100, 162 games. And now he's going to be in that lineup between Alvarez and Kyle Tucker, two of the most underrated hitters already now. I think Abreu is just going to join that. And, you know, first base was Houston, one of Houston's only holes outside of, like, catcher, maybe an outfielder. That was the one spot where in, in the World Series, the, the Phillies, you know, the, their first baseman had an advantage. They had Reese Hoskins over either Gurriel or, or Trey Mancini there. But yeah, this is going to be this is going to be a huge addition for them, which just absolutely sucks because you know they 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 are now the evil empire. It went from New York down to Houston. The cheaters, they still have their cheaters there as much as they say, oh, it's not the same team. <laughs> they got Altuve, they have Bregman, they have all those guys. It, it's tough to see but i mean this is obviously good for houston and probably great for his fantasy value as well as the rest of that that lineup yeah i this is gonna do wonders for his fantasy value i mean he was already a pretty highly touted fantasy asset even though he had kind of an odd year only 15 home runs and 157 games which isn't very abreu like but he hit 40 doubles 
And he was kind of one of those unlucky guys throughout the year because he still made incredible contact for the season. Like he ended the year with a nine and a half percent barrel rate. Uh, 92.2 mile per hour average exit velocity, which put him up in the 93rd percentile, 97th percentile for hard hit rate, 92nd percentile for expected slugging, 98th for expected batting average. I mean, he had one hell of a season. And uh, if you check the my new favorite thing, the baseball savant uh, expected home runs yeah. for each park, uh, it had him at it would have it would have had him at 22 home runs had he played for Houston this last season so a boost of what seven yeah. seven home runs going into next season which I mean he's a 30 home run guy all day long I don't care if you only hit 15 this year he's a 30 home run hitter still with solid average and to hit with players like Alvarez and Bregman and Tucker around him in that lineup is gonna I don't want to say it's exciting to watch because I'm a Mariners fan and I'm never excited to watch anything that has to do with the Houston Astros. But it's if you're a fan of players, if I can separate the separate the art from the artist, if I can separate Abreu away from the Astros, he's going to be very fun to watch next year. Because how the hell do you pitch to Alvarez and Abreu back to back? Yeah, I mean, how do you pitch that whole top lineup, Altuve, Bregman? Alvarez, Abreu, uh, Tucker. So that's a, just a murderer's row there. Yeah, it would have added seven home runs. It would have increased his home run total by 50% while hitting over 300, just having those those Crawford boxes. And also, uh, he wasn't shifted very often, but he had a, had a better uh, weighted WBA against uh, no shift than he did against the shift, as I'm sure most hitters do. So, yeah, this is great for anyone that has Abreu maybe in a keeper league or a dynasty league where they were worried about, you know, his value depending where where he signed if he had to go to like maybe take a shorter deal with a lesser team. But no, he got a I think it was a 3-year deal in Houston, probably the best lineup he could possibly go to besides going to somewhere like Coors Field and even there they don't have anyone around him. Or like we we talked about how power hitters should just go to Coors or Cincinnati and have a great season, but I mean this is a perfect fit because he's a first he's a first baseman. He's what, 35, 36 right now. So he can DH if, if he has to. I don't know if they'll put Jordan Alvarez back in the field, though. But yeah, this is fantastic for Jose Abreu, fantastic for Houston and awful for the rest of the baseball world. <laughs> yeah. And with that power and average combo that he has, he's going to play well in points leagues. And this last season, he only struck out 16.2% of the time while walking 9% of the time. So in points leagues, I think this just gives him a massive boost up those first baseman rankings. Just off the top of my head, I'd probably, oh, top seven first baseman just off the top of my head, maybe for next year with the potential to go even higher. Looking at those uh, ESPN way too early rankings, they had Abreu um, 62nd overall, which is the sixth best first baseman already. Okay, okay. And okay. I think being in that lineup, he'll, he'll probably. I mean, they have Goldschmidt next at 41st overall. I would maybe possibly take Abreu over Goldschmidt. I think that's a interesting discussion, yeah. especially Goldschmidt coming off. He won the MVP, right? Yeah, he he won the MVP yeah. coming off MVP season. Matt Olson is up there at 36. But yeah, they have a 
Kyle Tucker is up there ranked at 26, Alvarez at 30. I could see Abreu jumping up from in the 60s to in the in the 40s, high 30s there, just based off where he's going to be in this lineup and where he's going to be playing. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of first baseman free agents that assigned places, Carlos Santana. <laughs> <laughs> he went to Pittsburgh. Uh, should be... And see, I'm torn because he didn't hit the ball ball very well in terms of batting average this last season. But after coming over to the Mariners, he played pretty damn well. And I know uh, the end of the year, September, October, he hit seven home runs, which is really good at the end of the year. Uh, he had a lot of uh, seventh inning or later go ahead home runs, which is nice. And I'm currently doing a little write up on some of the free agent see kind of transactions and things that have happened so far carlos santana had an expected batting average 50 points higher than what his actual batting average was at the end of the year so he's i can't say he's entirely unlucky just because i think his fly ball rate was like 46 percent, which is very high it's like it's a lot higher than you would want to see from somebody but his i'm trying to pull up his baseball savant page right here he had one hell of a i'm trying to think and i mean talk uh, i'm looking right now just at, at we've mentioned the the shift with abreu and how how that's going to be such a factor and i i heard uh buster Olney said that play, left-handed players are left-handed hitters are, are getting more value because they know they're going to be better and santana was uh, according to baseball savant was shifted on 98 percent of his at-bats when he was batting from the left side opposed to 27 on the right side and uh yeah he's going to against he's going to bat mostly left-handed because most pitchers are right-handed and looking at santana you think pirates may not maybe not be too great but looking at their uh first four or five hitters Cruz, brian reynolds cabrian hayes they picked up g-man Choi, and then santana i mean that's going to be a solid top of the lineup if uh, if Cruz can continue his growth and, and reynolds can keep hitting for average and then Hayes as well as a good young player. So Santana's a good good veteran pickup by them. You know, maybe he won't stay there the whole season. Maybe it'll be a uh, trade deadline piece for, for them to get some future assets. But yeah, this is a, a good signing for them. I think he's going to be one of those under-the-radar guys where if you miss out on one of the top first basemen or if you want wanted just a depth guy to uh, fill out a util spot or, or a bench spot, he's going to be a guy to, to take a flyer on because he's a, he's a veteran hitter. He can hit for power. He's His average isn't going to be there, but he... He can walk. He's uh he's not going to strike out too much, and that's that's all the Pirates want. Yeah, I mean, even though he had that 202 batting average, I mean, he had a 9.3 percent barrel rate, which is uh, third highest of of his career, and is that's I mean that's really close to being the highest. His highest is 9.8, so one of the best contact years he's ever had. Uh, average exit velocity 90.7 miles an hour, second best he's ever had in his career. 31.6% sweet spot rate. It, like he's he's making solid contact. He's just he lifted that launch angle up to like I think it was like 15.4 degrees. So it gets a little more air under the ball, which is gonna kind of kill that batting average a little bit. But yeah, he walks, he gets on base. Big upside in points leagues. Uh, I mean, category leagues with on base percentage and stuff is still gonna help as well, even though he does have that lower. Lower batting average, so his on base percentage isn't going to be nuts. But I mean, there was at one point in the year he had a 500 uh, on base percentage just because his walk rate was so high. So 
Yeah, he's the kind of guy that you're going to end up wanting to kind of target later on down in the drafts because he could get overlooked, especially going to a place like Pittsburgh. But like you said, that lineup is pretty solid, and he's probably going to slot in batting fifth or sixth. He's going to get chances to hit with people on base in front of him, and it's I think it's going to make a pretty big difference going into this year. Yeah, and I mean, according to ESPN's uh, MLB ballpark factors, the Pirates have the sixth best stadium for runs uh, opposed to seattle who is the third lowest so he'll definitely uh help the pirates win and he'll help your fancy team win if you're able to draft him late and uh speaking of winning ready to win money and booster odds WinBet is now live in arizona colorado indiana louisiana michigan new jersey new york tennessee and virginia we're bringing the excitement of win las vegas to online sports betting and casino play exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with win, win rewards on WinBet. Looking to get involved in a same-game parlay? You know I am if you listen to the Hockey Gaming Podcast. So uh, WinBet is your home <laughs> with their WinBet Build Your Own Bet, letting you customize the bet you want to make. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, win $100. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer subject to change, term your condition at winbet.com. Plus, be 20 or older and present in the state where playthrough is available. If you or somebody knows a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, we got we got to the uh, first ad break here. With uh, I, I hear in the background the fans just clamoring for some Seattle Mariners <laughs> talk. So uh, the Seattle Mariners, they made a good trade. They got uh, Tiasker Hernandez from the Blue Jays. Uh, I, I think Seattle needed an outfielder, and it's going to be a, a big bat there. Uh, yeah, it's going to be huge. I'm still so excited about this trade. I mean, we traded Eric Swanson, who... Eric Swanson had a good year, but, I mean, Seattle had a really good bullpen overall, and Eric Swanson was somebody that we weren't even using in the postseason. It, and not for any, like, reason, like, oh, man, he's really been struggling. We can't put him out there. They just weren't putting him out there at all. So if we can take a guy that we're not even using in one of the biggest moments in franchise history, I'm completely fine trading that person for a silver slugger of an outfielder that gives an immediate offensive impact or, like, impact player – into the lineup that needs one. I mean, who doesn't want a silver slugger outfielder? I mean, yeah, Teoscar Hernandez is a big bat. 25 home runs last season. He uh, hit 267, 32 home runs a uh, year before and only 143 games. So he's going to put, put out 25, 30 home runs, maybe, maybe a bit less there in Seattle. But I guess the one qualm you could possibly have is that it's just another right-handed hitter in that lineup with, with J rod, with Ty France, with Suarez, you know, maybe if he was left-handed, it obviously be better Then you, you can't, you can't factor that in. But yeah, uh, I think this is going to be, it's a big trade for them. Um, it's another big outfield bat, a guy maybe that uh, J rod can kind of learn from kind of, kind of groom along there a little bit. Uh, if he needs to learn anything really, I mean, he's already possibly the best player on that team. So yeah, this is this is good for Seattle. It was good to see the Mariners get back into the playoffs uh, this this past season, and this is hopefully just going to be the start of it for them. Yeah, I mean the expected home runs by park factor uh, has uh, with Seattle he would have been at 31, which getting another 30 home run guy in the lineup is needed. It is tough having another right-handed hitter. Uh, 
in the lineup, but I think he's the kind of person that you can overlook that a little bit. Uh, probably lends credence to why DePoto really wants to get himself a left-handed middle infielder. At least that's what he said before today when he now just decided that we probably don't need to sign anybody else, which is going to be a massive mistake. But I'm I'm not going down that uh, not going down that that avenue today. But yeah, I mean. Like like I was talking about before with the quality context, he had a 15% barrel rate this last season, 92.6% average exit velocity, and his hard hit rate was 53.3%, which was in the 98th percentile in all of baseball. Like he he's just somebody that puts the bat on the ball and just hits the shit out of the ball, which is needed. I we have gone so long as Mariners fans with a lineup just loaded with people that are they're probably just going to strike out when they get up there or it's just going to be some little dribbler. Brad Miller used to drive me absolutely fucking insane with that. He would he would hit uh, he'd go two for two with two home runs in a game that the Mariners lose 11 to one. And then any time there was any at bat of meeting, it was just a little dribbler of a ground ball to the second baseman. And so it's it's so nice to bring somebody in that has the ability to make consistent quality contact all the time, especially in a lineup like the Mariners have. And he's going to hit with people on on base in front of him because the Mariners do still do a decent job getting on base. They draw a lot of walks and all that. And this is just it's just such an exciting trade for the Mariners especially as a fan who didn't expect a big trade like this. I was expecting to uh, to hear Mariner sign Dansby Swanson or something like that, which could still happen. But, yeah, it's it's a much-needed trade. It's some juice in the lineup, and I think it's going to make a, a big impact on his fantasy uh, value for next season as well because hitting in a place like Seattle – Coming from a place like Toronto is tough because obviously people hit really, really well in Toronto. So I don't think it's going to have any kind of negative impact, though. I think he's still going to be a legitimate uh, outfield option for next season. Yeah, it may also help him just going to going from one of the best divisions of baseball to, I mean, one of the worst besides Houston and Seattle. I mean, the Angels, you never know what they're going to do if they're going to be able to put something together. But in the Rangers, they want to be competitive, but they lost 94 games last year. And then of course, Oakland just has just been absolutely horrible. They should move sometime, but yeah, looking at, <laughs> looking at a uh, Hernandez's baseball savant page, it's just all, all bright red here. Hard hit 98% average exit velocity, 96 percentile barrel rate, 94. The only blue among his hitting is, is a K rate and also walk rate. So he does put the ball in play with percentage 5%, not great defensively, but he has a great arm, good sprint speed. So yeah, he's a he's a good right fielder, going to be a, a good slugger there. And looking at those uh, ESPN way too early rankings, they had him as the 20th best outfielder, 118 overall, uh, behind Verdugo, Jeff McNeil, Anthony Santander, Stephen Kwan, above Eloy Jimenez, Nick Castellanos, Luis, Luis Rivera, uh, Starling Marte. So I think, I guess this has factored in because it does have them have him on Seattle. So I think that's probably a good spot for him. I think he's one of these guys that's going to be, you know, good for 20, 25 home runs. He he, he has, a, I guess he's gotten a bit hurt uh, the past two years, only playing 131 games, 143 games. Hasn't played more than that in a season. So he'll probably have a IL stint here or there. But still, he's a, 
a solid outfielder. His average has picked up in the last few seasons after starting his career in the 230s. So, yeah, this is just a good pickup for Seattle, and he's going to be a guy that maybe people people could overlook it because like, they think, okay, going from Toronto, you know, they have they have Vladdy, they have all these all these good hitters. In Seattle's not really just to the casual fan a team that's really as high profile as a guy like as a guy like Vlad in Seattle. I mean, I guess Julio Rodriguez is trying to get up there, but I think <laughs> this is still is this still a season where where Seattle's going to be under the radar and uh, Hernandez is going to be right right there along with it. Yeah, I completely agree. And it 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 is just so exciting to be a Mariners fan right now. I mean, I would there was a point I would have given it to be a Phillies fan in the World Series yeah. just because I wanted to know what that felt like. I wanted to know how excited you felt to experience that. But then season ended, we make a big trade for a player and no offense, but I completely forgot about the Phillies. <laughs> so it's just I'm here now in the moment as a Seattle fan kind of waiting to see what the next move is, but then also seeing how guys like Teoscar Hernandez can do next season in that lineup. I mean, it's exciting to have have your team. You you see them building. You see the good young guys. You see them adding the the veteran pieces to improve and make that next step. So I, I completely understand where you're coming from. I mean, the Phillies they spent big in the offseason, but then started out slow. So it was kind of a surprise there, a second half surge. But this is like a build up, just all offseason. You're getting to be excited about it. So I'm happy for you. You know what? Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, shifting gears a little bit because uh, we do talk about a lot of hitters. Uh, hitters are my favorite thing in baseball, but there was a free agent pitcher signing of note. Uh, if you watch baseball, you probably heard of the man Mike Clevenger, signed with the Chicago White Sox. Now, how are you feeling about uh, Clevenger going over to Chicago? Clevenger is he's, he's definitely a, a bit of an interesting case because I, I could see it going either just great or, or hardly he, he started out his career he was great in cleveland he had i mean he was from 27 to 2019 era under three he was 38 and 18 he was a guy that you know you could count on to to be a top pitcher but over the past few years he had that he had some sort of some incident where he was suspended for something and then they traded him to san diego where he was he was fine in 2020 but this past season 433 era um, only 91 strikeouts and 114 innings. So this is going to be a situation where, you know, I mean, I guess the White Sox have a lot of them with, with Cease. With Cease is good, but I mean, with Giolito and Clevenger, they, they, they're going to make or break the uh, the White Sox, I think, this coming season. And, and Clevenger, let's see where ESPN has him ranked right now. Uh, he has him 92nd best starting pitcher, um, 287 overall. That's They do have him listed as a free agent, so... Um, not officially updated there yet, but hey, he's he's a depth guy. These pitchers here, you got uh, Ronzi Contreras down with him, Glenn Otto, uh, Drew Smiley, Reed Detmers. I, I trust Clevenger over them. Take a take a flyer on him rather than you know taking one of these guys, Nick Pavetta. They have above him who's completely hit or miss. Sean Mania. Yeah, Clev- Clevenger's shown before that he can do it. Um, so yeah, I think this is a good addition for the White Sox and and possibly increases his trade value going from or his fantasy value going from San Diego to White Sox getting a uh, fresh start and yeah, we'll see what we'll see what he does. Yeah, he's kind of an interesting case because this last season uh his velocity dropped a decent amount on his pitches. Like his fastball was sitting uh at about 95 
uh, in the 2000, he didn't pitch in 2021. So in 2020, his average fastball is about 95.1 miles an hour. Uh, and then this last season down to 93.6, uh, a lot less movement on his pitches and things like that. But his active spin rate on all of his pitches, I mean, it fucking sucks, but it's, it's went up from 2020. So it like sucked in a more positive way, which helps uh, the active spin rate is how much the spin on the ball affects how much the pitch moves and that sort of thing. A higher active spin rate, the better. Uh, otherwise, you're kind of just wasting RPMs on a pitch that's not moving. Then he does. He is kind of one of those guys that does have the low active spin rate. I mean, his cutters only got a 40 percent active spin rate, which is. Uh, I don't know why you throw it at that point, because that's ridiculous. <laughs> Same with the slider, only 53 percent. But like his his four seamers got a 95 percent sinkers at 94 percent. So those are a bump up from that 2020 season. So maybe a new new venue, new team, new year, new me scenario for Clevenger. Maybe it helps him get a little better i mean he had an era in the mid fours this year his k9 was down to about seven he's a guy that does have upside just kind of based on how he produced previously but i i don't know i don't know he he's somebody that i would have to take a, a late round flyer on and just hope that he gets back to the clevenger from a few years ago or at least some version of that because if he is anything like the Clevenger that we saw in 2022, I don't, I don't think he's a guy that I'm going to end up having on my roster. Maybe to stream and uh, a good matchup. That's about it. Yeah, he, he's one of those guys that there's there's a few guys in in my big league that they always draft players that were great like three or four years ago. He'll definitely be one of those guys that goes too early for me to grab him there. But yeah, when you were talking about Clevenger's uh, before he got to his spin rate, I, I was thinking you know maybe his uh. He stopped using that sticky stuff because I'm pretty sure he's a uh, he was or is good friends with Trevor Bauer, who, you know, he uh, has all type of stuff going on with that. But I mean, you mentioned his spin rate is actually up, even though it's still kind of bad. But yeah, I mean, the White, as I was saying, the White Sox have uh, they have Cease and Lynn at the top and then they have guys like Jay Lito, uh, Kopech and, and Clevenger here to if he's a four or five in the rotation and he's a, as a four, three year, right, that's that's fine for any major league team. And. You know, he, yeah, he, he would probably be a good streaming option or a good late-round late flyer to take on him because he has done it before. So maybe he'll be able to do it again with the White Sox in that new venue, new scenario, like you said. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I was reading more Clevenger stuff. <laughs> this dude's baseball savant page is wild. You can see all kinds of different stuff on there. His whiff rate was down a considerable amount this last year, but his put-away percent was higher. So I don't really know what to what to think about that or how to feel about that. But, yeah, he's he's the kind of guy. I mean, he's not horrible. He's not horrible. He and he does have some fantasy value going into next year. But he is like for me, he's just a guy that I'm going to have to pass up on draft day. And uh, if somebody drafts him, I think they'll inevitably drop him. And then mm -hmm. I'll keep an eye on him on waivers and kind of like if he's starting against like, I don't know, the fucking Royals or something. Like maybe I'll eh, I can probably start I can probably start Clevenger against the Royals type of scenario. But other than that, I, I don't think he's a guy. He's not somebody that I'm targeting as a, like a full season roster spot for me.
Yeah, he'll be one of those pitchers that, you know, someone drafts and then drops, and then you pick him up for a stream. He has a good start. You keep him. It's another good start, and then maybe he, he sticks on your on your roster that way. I don't think anyone that drafts him is keeping him for the full year unless, you know, he just starts out hot and just returns to how he was there in 2017-2018. Uh, yeah. Speaking of free agency, we've done a lot of talk about guys that have signed contracts going into next season, but what we haven't done is talk about guys that have yet to sign contracts the elephant in the room is Aaron judge and we will get to that in a second but the one that kind of hits home with this podcast it looks like the fire's heating up with trey turner and the phillies how close do mm-hmm. you think that is to getting done i mean i know you can't like see into the future but uh i, I think it's Probably just a matter of time. I mean, that might be days. It could be weeks. You, you never truly know because there could be some team that comes in and uh, throws a bunch of money at him. Maybe it's the Yankees if they don't get judged. Maybe it's the Red Sox if probably not the Red Sox. They got, they got to pay Devers probably. But he does say he he prefers to play on the East Coast. Philly is absolutely on the East Coast. Uh, he's good friends with Bryce Harper. He's Bryce Harper's favorite player. He'd be a perfect fit atop the Phillies lineup. They really don't have a pure leadoff hitter. They've gone with Schwarber. They've done Harper in the past. So, uh, yeah, I think Trey Turner going to the Phillies would be absolutely fantastic. We, we talked about this last show, and it was, you know, just kind of like the, he would, they'll probably be in on him. But now, like, everyone's saying it's a top priority. Phillies are the favorites to land him. So I think, it, it you know, it could just happen after winter meetings, after after judge signs, you know, then the shortstop market's going to get going. And Trey Turner should be one of the first off the board there. And if it's the Phillies top target and he wants to play in Philly with Bryce Harper, with uh, I think another big drawing point is uh, hitting coach Kevin Long. Kevin Long was with Washington where Trey Turner was able to kind of rediscover his swing. I think he talked about that. I saw an article posted from a few years ago where Kevin Long was able to get his uh opposite field power back maybe just power in general so yeah having a guy that he's worked with before having harper here he's played with before having the phillies being a team that made the world series and have a clear need at shortstop yeah turner's going to be one of those guys that you know when we talked about i think one of our first offseason shows i talked about how turner's not a guy that i would draft normally in the first round but if he came to philly he would definitely be one of my uh, top targets yeah, and uh, he's one of the top targets this offseason that I think I agree. Uh, once winter meetings fire up, I think he's one of the first names off the board. His rumors and all that about where he could end up, uh, that sort of thing, seems the most, um, what's the word I'm looking for here, uh, ready to pop, I guess, if I was to put it in a couple mm-hmm. words. He, he seems like somebody that it's not a matter of, if he signs, it's when. And normally guys like that right around winter meeting time is when they they go on the move. Because if he does want to play with the Phillies that bad, which it seems like he does, and it seems like the Phillies want him that bad, I can't see a reason why they would just prolong bringing him in. Like, why not just let him let him come in and be a nice little Christmas present for Bryce Harper to yeah, end the but- year on a good note? Yeah, bring them in. Let let the fans get a bunch of Trey Turner jerseys for Christmas and stuff. Make it easy, and yeah, just get it get it done over with. We sweated out Harper until what March when during that off season. So, yeah, it's going to be Turner or Bogarts for the Phillies, but I think at least probably eighty five percent right now Turner. I agree, and I mean let's let's get to that elephant in the room real quick because everybody's talking about it. 
Uh, Yankees reportedly made an offer to Aaron Judge. Was it like eight year, three hundred million or something right mm-hmm. around that? I I don't personally see how he could. I mean, I know on a different episode previously I said I don't see how I could see him going anywhere else besides New York. But just the more I think about it, I mean, Yankees kind of spurned him with the contract talks earlier in the season. Yankees fans were very vocal about how much they were not a fan of his in the playoffs with the striking out and the inability to hit home runs and all that. If money didn't talk at the beginning of the year in New York – for Judge, I don't know how it could be enticing enough for him now, especially there's a lot of teams that are in the market for Aaron Judge. Not everybody can afford $300 million over eight years, but the Yankees are not the only team that is going after Judge. And so I just I think if there's any other team out there with a legitimate offer, I don't I don't think he's back in New York. Yeah, it's just I don't understand. Besides, you know, he was he grew up in California. I mean, didn't grow up too close to San Francisco, I don't think, but it was like his hometown, home, grow, home growing up team. But looking at the Giants roster right now, outside before they make any moves, I don't see why they would, why he would want to go there for any sort of baseball winning reasons. Because their lineup right now, on uh, according to Fangraphs, is Lamont Wade, uh, Tyro Estrada, Jock Peterson, J.D. Davis, Mike Yastrzemski, Wilmer Flores, Brandon Crawford, Joey Bart, and Luis Gonzalez. Like, even if you add Judge to that lineup, a team could just pitch around him every at-bat and still beat them. <laughs> Maybe they'll sign Judge and then sign a shortstop, too. Maybe they'll sign Judge, uh, get a shortstop, and bring Rodon back. Rodon back. Like, I, I don't know what he's thinking. I mean, it's the same thing we talked about before, like— the Giants were supposedly in on Harper a few years ago, too, and that was confusing to me as well. So, you know, I mean, he just seems like the guy to to go to the Yankees. But, like, I heard Buster only say this week that this is one of the first players that uh, the Yankees need him more than he needs the Yankees. So it's really the ball is completely in judge's court. I mean, the Yankees can offer whatever they want, but if the Giants come close to matching that or if they beat that offer— I think he does go out there and, you know, maybe they're not great this year, not great next year, but they're able to kind of build something up in the coming years just to to compete a little bit. Because, I mean, I don't know how the NLS is going to be looking. The Dodgers are always going to be competitive out there. The Giants are, are hoping to get there with uh, whatever they're building. But, yeah, Judge is, what, they said it's down to, to 50-50 between the Giants and the Yankees right now. I, I still think he goes back to New York, but it's it, – definitely surprising how serious of a run San Fran's making at him. Yeah, I'm really surprised too cuz I don't really know what the hell the Giants are doing. <laughs> but it it would be wild to have another big time slugger out there in San Francisco. Uh just everybody just go full Barry Bonds against him. Just intentionally walk them in 100 times next season since they got no I mean there's you're not going to bat Mike Yastrzemski behind Aaron Judge and be like, oh, shit, man. We we really got to pitch the Judge here because Yastrzemski's hot. Like, you're not, you're not going to do that. And so him going out there, he aside from being the man, I don't know what else is necessarily all that appealing out there because you're going to get money from New York regardless. 
he might just be trying to kind of get New York to sweeten the deal a little bit because he is 30. He's not he's not a 26 year old slugger getting that huge mega contract. He is 30, which I'm 34, so 30 is not old, just so everybody is aware. But in baseball, he's he's not young athlete wise. So like you might get you might get four more really really good years out of judge and then after that you're gonna get like a pool holes-esque kind of twilight to his career where if he hits 20 bombs you can be pretty happy about that but i don't nobody's gonna want to pay third what oh man quick math would be like what 38 million dollars a year for to four or for four years to some guy that's hitting you 20 home runs and you just hope the rest of the team didn't collapse around him along the way so, yeah, I mean, it's it is kind of interesting seeing San Francisco being that second team, but I I don't know. I, yeah, the the more I, I hear I listen to you talk about it, and the more I look into it, like I forgot about the Padres in the NL West. The Giants aren't beating the Dodgers or the Padres anytime soon. I do think this is just a complete move by Judge to go out to San Fran, look happy, meet with Steph Curry, do all that recruiting crap, and you know. Make the Yankees sweat a little bit. Make them increase their offer because the Yankees also have a better prospect system. They have Volpe. They have Jason Dominguez coming up. They have Oswald Peraza coming up. Uh, updated farm rankings. I think this is from August, so maybe it's it's changed since then. But this was post-trade deadline. Uh, they had Yankees ranked 12th and the Giants down there at 18th. The Yankees kept their prospects at the deadline rather than trading them for a big ace pitcher to go all in. So they know he knows the Yankees have better people around him they brought Rizzo back I I think this is this is all just this is all smoke and mirrors and he's going back to New York that, that that's my stance you know what I, you convinced me yeah he's he's going back to New York there is no way in hell Aaron Judge is going out to be a San Francisco giant yeah hopefully that's not hopefully happening. he doesn't sign with the Giants before we publish this <laughs> <laughs> like right as I'm uploading the audio and everything yeah. just Aaron Judge signs the San Francisco Giants like, oh well <laughs> Shit. Well, <laughs> but my luck, wrong, it went wrong again. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, it's been good to hear your voice. Uh, it was a couple weeks. I think it was uh, the last episode was on the 15th. So it's been like two weeks since since we did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it feels good to be back. Uh, and I would like to real quick to remind everybody. It's not too late to uh, to leave us a five star review on Spotify or Apple podcast. You can find the uh, what is it? the Apple podcast link is SG.PN slash fantasy baseball. Spotify is SG.PN slash fantasy baseball S. Uh, and you can also find us in discord as well. SG.PN slash discord. Very active in the discord. Trying to get more uh, baseball aficionados in there to talk some offseason baseball with us. And yeah, like just make sure you follow us on all of our socials and all of that. We are, I mean, we're still growing. We're out here. We're having a fucking blast. And this is still just the beginning. I mean, we're what, 12 episodes in? I think I said that right now that now that mm. we're here, but 12 yeah. episodes or 13 episodes. 13. Something, something like that. Is it, is it 13? Lucky number 13? I think it's lucky number 13. All right. And so, yeah, like we're still, we're still a growing podcast. We're having a blast and we got a lot to say. So, Follow us, buckle up, and get ready for a fun offseason. 
Yeah, like Blake said, uh, make sure you leave us a five-star rating review like uh, Mr. Mister Gee 990 did uh, on, on November 19th. Off-season baseball fix. Started following the show, and so far I'm impressed. I'm very picky about where my baseball content comes from, but this show has found a way to give me a good off-season fix. Keep up the good balance of stats and info, along with discussion information and opinions. Yeah, thanks for that uh, review. If you guys leave a five-star rating and review, we will read it on the show. And uh, yeah, it's been a... Uh, Good to be back here. It's been way too long. Hopefully we have more action items to talk about in the coming weeks as teams st- start to sign some players here after the winter meetings. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll fire this up next week. We're going to have lots of winter meetings stuff to talk about for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where can everybody find you on socials, Ryan? Right. I am uh, Ryan Gilbert. You can follow me on Twitter at rgilbertsop. And I am but I almost said I'm Balake. I am Blake Meyer. You can follow me on Twitter at Balake, B-U-H-H-L-O-C-K-A-Y-E. And as always, we'll see everybody next time. Peace.